0: What is up, and welcome back to season four of the Fort Men podcast. I'm so thankful to have my good friend Tim Timberlake join me. If you don't know who Tim is, he is a husband, a father, a pastor, and uh, so many things. He's a former collegiate basketball player, and I'm so thankful that he is joining me today on the podcast. Tim, welcome, man. Thank you, Christian. It's an honor, man. I'm excited about our conversation. Man, I'm really excited. You know, you do, you really do so many things. I just kind of just listen to him. You know, in the intro, but you really do so many things. And I know uh, I got to meet you at Speak Conference at Passion a couple months ago. And uh, you were just you're so awesome. I loved the message that you gave and just the connection we had over sports and athletics and, uh, you know, even just life. And uh, you are super relatable. I think many times you you can talk to people and you kind of lose a sense of relatability, but you have such a relatable spirit about you. And I just loved uh, I loved getting to meet you man it was an honor to meet you and sadie and just to hear you all story and
1: see how god is using you in so many different spheres and just the many people that you are touching uh through your walk with christ and through this incredible podcast my brother it's an honor man
0: thank you man so for those listening who uh maybe some i'm guessing most know you but if if people don't know you can you kind of just explain a little bit about who you are and, and what all you're doing in jacksonville florida
1: yeah, I, I would assume the reverse. I would assume no one knows me. And so the way I set it up, uh, me and my wife, Jen, we uh, have an incredible six year old son named Maxwell. We pastor a church called celebration church that's headquartered in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we are one church with uh, multi, uh, kind of locations and different sites here in the United States and uh, Europe and Africa. And uh, it's pretty amazing to see what God is doing and how uh, God is kind of doing it in some unconventional ways in this season. And uh, this is my 19th year pastoring. Uh, The way that I became a pastor is kind of weird in and of itself, but we can unpack that uh, as we continue our conversation.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, that's literally my next point I have. I just kind of, you know, because even just talking to you, I know that maybe life now looks different than than how— Maybe you thought it would growing up, um, in what ways are, you know, all the things that you and your wife and, you know, your family, what, uh, how, do, how does life look different now than maybe you thought it was when you were, when you were younger and growing up? Oh man. I, so I had no desire to be a pastor. I had no desire to be,
1: uh, in ministry. My parents were pastors, uh, at the time they pastored one of the largest churches in North Carolina and, uh, they were on global television every single day on multiple uh, stations. And I just saw kind of the um, way people treated them and how they gave their life to so many people and how in return very little was given back to them. And so my perspective was, you know, I'll become successful to support what they do in ministry and to support the church, but I have no desire to work in or around church. And um, in 1997, my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And as a result of that, uh, he had to have a experimental surgery which cut him from the back of one ear to the back of the other ear. They removed a tumor from his throat the size of a chipmunk. Uh, But when they did that, they also removed a quarter of his tongue, so he was no longer able to eat, drink, or swallow. And uh, he was fed through a G-tube for the remainder of his life. And so I just saw my hero kind, kind of dwindle and become a shell of himself And uh, for me, you know, my relationship with Jesus at that time is kind of built off of the back of my parents It's built off of their shoulders and what they've told me about God. I I really haven't had uh, at this particular stage in my life, uh, you know, a really in-depth relationship with Jesus. And so my perspective of Jesus when my dad got terminally ill was if this is the way God treats his man, I don't want to serve a God like that and so i completely turned my back on god i completely rebelled i completely ran the opposite way uh not having the understanding and the knowledge of who jesus really was and uh it wasn't until you know some years later and my dad was kind of at the end of his life uh before my 18th birthday really speaking to me and really sharing with me the heart of god for my life that I established a relationship for myself and came to the realization that it was not God's intent, nor was it God's will uh, for my dad to get sick and die. Uh, it was his will uh, that he would live a long life. And you know, when I learned the will of God, it helped me change my perspective of who God was. And one of the things that I, I've learned kind of through that is God is not who we think he is. God is who he says that he is. And when we apply the word of God in our perspective of God, it helps to keep our perspective healthy and not really uh, be swayed to the left or to the right by life circumstances.
0: Yeah, man, that's so powerful. And I know there's so many, you know, even just like you sharing that. There's so many things. I've heard there's so many facets to that story, right? There's there's the spiritual implications of how that's impacted you, but then even on a on a practical level, you had. I can't remember how many d1 basketball offers you said a lot and you know that circumstance also made you stay closer to home so you didn't go chase chase the dream on a more personal practical level and even just seeing how you know your desire to stay closer and serve your family how that decision also impacted your spiritual formation It's really powerful absolutely when whenever
1: um my dad died you know i had at the time I believe 13 scholarship offers Uh, to play basketball and, um, you know, just decided to choose the school that was closest to home for me. So I could drive back to see my mom uh, on the weekends that I could. And, you know, just seeing her resilience, seeing her strength um, played a huge part into why I am the way that I am till this day. You know, she's still tough as nails. She will be 74 uh, in September of this year. And I mean, if you look at her, you hear her, she, she still runs every single day. She's still incredibly sharp, but it's her resilience that really, uh, helped to craft something in me to want to help people understand how great Jesus is. And, uh, when God called me into ministry, I left the university that I was at, moved to Detroit to a Bible college there. And I ended up finishing there in two years and then moving back to North Carolina to uh, pastor alongside of my mom. And so, you know, it was in those formidable years that really shaped um, the call of God, the assignment of God, and and the trajectory that God had planned for me and uh,
0: the path that I'm on now. That's awesome. How do you feel like seeing your parents kind of walk through the things that you shared growing up just with, you know, being on a global side of, of ministry and seeing backlash and seeing you know comments and people say things how do you feel like kind of growing up in that and having a perspective of that's kind of shaped where you're at now cuz you're at, you're at, you know in essence doing everything your father is doing now but just with social media it might just be you know bigger and more noticeable and i'm sure you probably get uh, you know the same kind of stuff That your father got when you were growing up how do you feel like seeing them walk through that's impacted the way that you kind of handle it now yeah i mean they had patience they had enduring power
1: they had resilience and watching them walk through that really kind of shaped my character and why i carry myself the way that i carry myself because i had two great models to really live that out in front of me and uh, if it had not been for their model, then I would not know what to do in times of hardship. And so I think it, it's so important for all of us that are listening to have models, whether they are uh, close up or afar, uh, that can help shape us and mm-hmm. can help really lead us into becoming the people that God desires for us to be. Uh, you know, And we find that through coaches, we find that through mentors, we find that through uh, models that can really help us identify The God-given greatness on the inside of us, for me, my parents were that. My mom is still that. I have other strong mentors in my life that are that for me now that help guide me and help give me direction whenever I need it to keep me grounded in the truth
0: of who Jesus desires for me to be. Honestly, that's like one of my biggest struggles is, well, patience in so many aspects, whether it's being up at 3 a.m. and our new daughter screaming, crying, and eating a bottle or whatever, I struggle with that. But man social media I and I've gotten better at it but I and at least in the past I am just so quick to block people which is not which is not a good thing. if someone says something just super mean, super hateful bashing me or my family or Sadie or our kids whatever I just I get so I just get so mad and just ticked off that I'm just <laughs> like you know what I don't have time for this crap here you go block or restrict or whatever. But I, like, I don't know, just finding that balance of, you know, how to deal with with people saying things, because it's always going to happen. You, you can't block everybody or whatever, because at the same time, you also want to be a light to, you know, to keep posting positive things and to keep, you know, to keep showing them that, yes, you might come with that, but it, it doesn't really affect me. And I think a lot of times that's what people want is, you know, just the attention of, oh, they saw, they saw this and it, and it hurt them enough to to block or delete me. Um, yeah, that is, that is definitely one of my struggles because I'm so quick to, to say, okay, you want to you wanna play that game? I'm just going to block you, which I know is not hey, a good thing, but I succumb to that.
1: It's not a bad thing. I mean, if someone disrespects you, talks about your family, you become a target, uh, and they have no filter in what they say. I believe they deserve a block, and I don't apologize for that. Uh, I don't regret it. And, uh, you know, there has to be some type of barriers that we put up uh, as public figures so that we're not just someone else's punching bags. And so, you know, you are in the public light and you have, uh, you know, a large following and you will have crazy people that come after you. And so you have to do what's best for Uh, your mental health. You have to do what's best for your family. You have to do what's best really for the call of God on your life. And so, you know, I I don't make apologies for blocking people. I blocked somebody yesterday and I don't apologize for it. it helps to keep you focused on what God has put in front of you. You know, Nehemiah says it like this in chapter four, I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down and you know in this day and age sometimes a block is you telling the enemy that you're not coming down off of the wall of importance that he has you building and uh you know and that's just the way that i look at it
0: yeah man that's awesome how do you feel like um you know if 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 when you were younger than you like you said when you got to 18 and all the things you're doing with basketball and other things how do you feel like um you know, do you honestly think that you'd be where you're at now if you hadn't walked through those things with your father when you were growing up? No, I think, you know, walking through that
1: painful season and other painful seasons have made me into who I am today. Uh, and I have this saying, and it's this, humility is the fruit of pain. And there's things that we learn in pain. There's things that we learn through pain. There's things that we learn because of pain that we cannot learn in any other Uh, place or in or through any other area of our life. And so I believe that although we hate pain, although we try to avoid it, uh, pain forms something in us uh, that is both beautiful and supernatural if we can endure. And, um, you know, if we can endure that pain, it produces so much significant fruit that really shape us into becoming who God desires and designed for us to be. And uh, it, it keeps uh, the peace and the humility,
0: the fruit of humility, at the forefront of our lives because of that pain. It's powerful. Yeah, it's always it's always the thing that when you're walking through it, it it sucks and it hurts. But then you can always look back, and it's really weird because I'm you know I'm always like I always struggle with things like that of walking through something really difficult, and you know even just being a father now and. Mm -hmm. You know, man, I wouldn't want my kids to walk through something that difficult, but knowing that if if it's going to produce, you know, something good, it's, it's, it's a little more bearable, but it's still just tough for me to, you know, always at at, at times fully wrap my head around that idea of, you know, God allowing bad things to happen. If it is ultimately to teach us a greater lesson, um, yeah, it's something I still wrestle with. I, I don't
1: necessarily think all of the things God um you know desires he utilizes certain things uh to push us closer but then certain things we walk into because we were disobedient to what he told us to do and yeah and that is the harvest from some of the seeds that we've sown uh, but the good thing about it is his words as a Romans that he takes both the good and the bad and he makes them work together for the good of those that love him and you know that's what I try to put emphasis on and really focus on um, because when you, when you do that, you find uh, gold in each season and, uh, your perspective is always anchored in the hope of Jesus. And, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, we always find what we're looking for. You know, you got two birds. One is a vulture. One is a hummingbird. One searches out dead things and always finds dead things. The other searches out sweet nectar and always finds sweet nectar. And the point of that is we always find what we're looking for based upon our perspective. And so if our perspective is in the right place, then we find what it is that God desires for us to locate and find. And uh, if it's not, then we always find what it is that, that is so uh, we good. shouldn't find.
0: That is so good. I love that. I love that. Well, I love how much you love, um, you know, heritage and, and and I know how much you talk about your family history and um, yeah. at speak conference the one of the first things that you said was kind of reminding yourself of every time you preach every time you speak, you have this symbol that always reminds you of 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 where you came from and i'm 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 forgetting exactly what it is, but can you kind of yeah. share a little bit about what's symbolic of that and and how you kind of feel like that maybe even just anchors you in in your identity of of where God's placed you and Especially just in this time in history.
1: Yeah. So at the top of all of my notes, I have a tobacco leaf, and it's it's super, uh, you know, important to me. Uh, it keeps me anchored. It reminds me of where I come from. The reason it's a tobacco leaf for me is because uh, the property that our church sits on in North Carolina is the same property uh, that my grandfather and my great grandfather uh, father. Uh, worked as sharecroppers and uh, as slaves and so for me it's a constant reminder that i am the hope and dream of my ancestors they could never dream of doing what i do Uh, and so i always do it with the integrity of the hard work that they put in uh, to pave a road for me to do it uh, at this level to this degree and so that's just a reminder for me uh, that keeps me grounded that lets me know hey man there's, there's more people uh, whose shoulders you stand on than just the platform you stand on. And after me, there will be uh, people that stand on my shoulders. And so just do it with godly integrity, with godly character, and make sure that I do it with godly excellence. And, and that little bitty picture reminds me of that every single message I preach.
0: Man, that's so powerful. Oh, I love that. And I, I knew it was a leaf, but I was like, I it just, it just, if I just said it's like a leaf, but I wanted I wanted to have I wanted to have you fully explain it. Well, I've been I've been thinking about this idea lately of um, you know, you you're a pastor to multi generational people, right? If you you, you 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 lead a big church, there's kids, there's high school students, college students, married people, single people, older people. Uh, older people, whatever people, el- elderly people. Um, but going through college, you know, I just kind of want to want to hear you speak to this a little bit because everyone that's that's mainly our target audience that I'm kind of speaking to. But people, when you go to college, and I heard this all throughout high school, even when early on in college, this idea of living your best life, right? When you go to college, you get four years to to live it up, live your best life, and I think it's so hard for us to to associate the two things with following Jesus and also living your best life. There's a, there's a disconnect there. Like how can I live my best life in college, but also be a follower of Jesus and believe what he says and actually live it out. How do you feel like as Christians, we, I don't want to say we market it as that, but how do you feel like we, we really show people how and make it appealing to where, you know, if you truly do want to live your best life, it actually is following Jesus. It's not partying, and it's not um, you know all these things that the world wants to say. Because if when, when the world tells you it's 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 the best four years of life and to live it up, it's it's ultimately it's all unfulfilling satisfaction, right? It's not. It it's all temporal. It's not. It's not sustaining. Um, I don't know. I, I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that, and if you could speak into that.
1: Absolutely. I I think beyond our best life, there's God's best for us. And so for our listeners, I think that has to be the focus living out God's best for our lives and understanding that there's a purpose life. There's a purpose life that God has for us that exceeds our best. And so at the end of our best, we will still fall short. We will still come to uh, the end of ourselves. And it's when our natural ends, that God super kicks in. That's where we get the word supernatural. And so I I think for our listeners, understanding that what God has placed in you is for you, but what God has placed on you is for others. And just constantly have this awareness that God is pulling out of you, extracting out of you, this God-given greatness uh, that, that, can't be uh, manipulated, changed. It can't be uh, thrown to the side. It has to be bought to the surface. And the way that it's bought to the surface is by you identifying who it is that God is making you into being and spending time with God. That's how we learn who we are, is when we spend time with God, we find out who God is. But on the flip side of that, we also find out who we are. And when we have a great foundation in our identity, that's when we live our best life. That's when we live out the purpose that God has given us and the purpose that God has uh, kind of carved out for us. And that's what, you know, it has helped me so much whenever I view myself from the lens of God and whenever I say the things about me that God says. Because typically speaking, when we're in pursuit of living out our best life, we listen to one of four voices. The first voice we typically listen to is the voice of others, which is wrong. The second voice we listen to is our voice, which can lead us based upon how we feel, which is also wrong. Yeah. The third voice we listen to is the voice of the enemy which is also wrong. But the fourth voice, the voice of God is the one that we should lean into whenever we are in pursuit of our best life. And when we repeat what God says, we are never wrong. When we do what God instructs us to do, we'll always be led in the right direction. And so I just want to encourage our listeners with that. There's a level above our best life and it's God's best life for us. And that's the pursuit that we should be
0: uh, in search of and after in this life. That's so good because I think sometimes we just lose sight of, you know, even like a formidable years of college. I think it's so easy to to just get sucked into the now and to lose sight of what potential repercussions could be in the future. Um, You know, when when I first got to college, I was crazy. I was wanting to be in church, but I was also wanting to 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 party and to have fun, and even just so many of those decisions. It was it was this moment of you know, when me and Sadie first started dating, no one really I was not well known or whatever. And obviously Sadie's super well known. And a lot of people from the outside were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Which it which it was. I'm not saying it's not, but it's it's like if I were to keep pursuing the same things that I was pursuing when I first got to college, I would have never ultimately ended up where I'm at now. So I think sometimes mm-hmm. we can disassociate, you know, this from that. And I'm trying to be like, look, if 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 you want a healthy marriage, if you want to find a spouse, if you want to, you know, raise up kids, you know, if I would have kept pursuing the things I was pursuing that the world's like, this is the best thing ever, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I think that right. it's so, it it can just be so hard for us to, to kind of coincide the two of like, how do I follow Jesus and live my best life, but not the way that the world tells us to, you know, mm-hmm. it,
1: it's when you,
0: live beyond yourself
1: and you give yourself to a purpose that's greater than you it it gives your life so much more meaning and you find value in pouring your life into the life of other people and that to me is what life is all about when we live beyond us we find so much joy and value in watching god fulfill our purpose through helping other people discover theirs. Yeah. And you know, watching you and your wife and seeing how God is using you all. It's it's amazing. And to know uh, a little bit about your story and to see the impact that you're having on generations. Uh, I don't know if you all will know on this side of heaven how impactful it is. But man, what a joy it is to watch in my lifetime and, and really see uh just the ripple effect of your yes and your obedience to
0: God. No, man, I love that so much. And I think that's so good. Something else I love about you is how much you love sports. I think uh, you know, sports, athletics, fitness, uh, it's something that I'm super passionate about. And I know how much you love it too. You are uh also the chaplain for the Jaguars. And it's just super cool. And I'm a little uh jealous about that. But how do you feel like, you know, what what is it about sports and even just athletes in general that maybe you know what draws you to athletes
1: yeah i mean i I think when you look at the life of an athlete particularly a professional athlete uh, there's so many people pulling on them in many different directions and there's a bunch of people that want a ton of stuff from them whether it's performance whether it's production whether it's you know prestige money uh fame from association i I think that all people need someone in their life that just wants to pour back into them the love and the hope of jesus christ and that is my my role in a lot of athletes lives and so i have opportunity to walk alongside of a lot of professional athletes and you know whether it's with the jaguars or whether it's with the seattle seahawks you know my desire is just to pour back into them what they pour into other people, what they pour into what they love, what they pour into their family and, and really be a, a voice of reason that keeps them grounded and keeps their faith anchored in Jesus. And, and so what we work on is a lot of character development is a lot of performance development, a lot of spiritual development. And, uh, you know, my biggest thing is driving in, uh, these athletes, Uh, what real character is and how it can be found, and it only can be found in God. And so, you know, the stadium roars for a moment, but the voice of God echoes for eternity. And so what we put our focus to uh, really determines the things that we get out of it. And, you know, that's where I try to point their attention. And uh, at some point, they'll put the helmet down. At some point, the basketball stops dribbling. At some point, they can't do what they do uh, at the level that they do it anymore. But life continues to go on, and so we focus more on life than we do what they do.
0: Yes, because I mean, because it really is—you know, it's, it's 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 the same message, but it's a different way to minister to people, right? You know, yeah. with with a professional athlete, you might not be able to minister to them the same way that you would preach in a church. There's there, there's just different innuendos and there's different language and. There's different ways to go about it. And it's really cool just seeing how you kind of hone in on on that aspect of just life and just relating to people in that sense. Because we can all relate on, you know, on on difficult things, on, on, on wins and losses and successes and things that we've walked through that are difficult. And just hearing you kind of how you just approach it from a life perspective is is really cool. Yeah, man, it's,
1: you know, and getting them to the place where they understand that they are not what they do. And yeah. their identity uh, may be known by other people for what they do, but they have a greater identity than what's under pads and what's behind a jersey. And so getting them to focus on their God given identity and they are sons and daughters of the most high God and uh, putting their focus and their priority on what matters most really you know, lays the foundation for them to springboard for from and really gives the season of life purpose. They, they play for something greater. They have a greater call on their life than just what's between the out-of-bounds lines. And so helping them to focus on that uh, is really uh, important. Just as you know, our listeners are tuning in right now, wh- whatever you do, whatever uh, season of life you're in, whether you're a student or whether you are working a job, you, you have to know you're not what you do. That's why you're not called a human doing, you're called a human being. God called you to be. The first thing that he called us to do is receive his love. And so understanding that our identity is shaped through the love of Jesus Christ is so formative and transformational. Uh, But we have to remind ourselves of that every single day.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Well, something that's really interesting about you, and, and you share this at Speak Conference, is just how much of a student you are and throughout the week, how things that just happened to you in life are kind of what shapes and kind of cultivates the messages that that, that you preach on Sunday. And you kind of share the example of being at the uh, the Mario movie with your family and how, how that movie kind of spoke to you and kind of what revelation you received from it. How do you feel like, um, you know, where does, where does that come from? That nature of, of, of always just being aware of your surroundings and just being a student of, of everywhere you go. Cause Sadie growing up, um, it was kind of similar. Like every, every, movie every show every place we go there there's always some deeper messaging in it than maybe the surface level that's that most people can kind of come out of it with so for you where does that um kind of just love to to study and pick up on things that just happened to you in life come from
1: yeah i've always been a visual learner so for me there's always something that i can pick up by just looking at it and you know one of the things that i've started developing just kind of as i want it to be a better communicator is finding a message in everything that I'm, I'm seeing or observing. And so uh, one of the daily practices that I have, I'll watch something and then out of it say, okay, what can I pull from this that can impact somebody else? And uh, when you get into a routine of that, everything becomes a message. Everything uh, speaks to you. Everything has the opportunity to reflect. God's glory and his grace. And so uh, even as a little kid, you know, just watching uh, different cartoons and things like that and and finding messages in those that would be impactful, uh, not just to me, but to the people around me. And then fast forward, you know, some 20, 30 years, uh, looking at different things, whether it's sports, whether it's movies, whether it's a TV show and, and listening to the phrases that they use. All the writers in movies and in TV shows are very intentional And, you know, sometimes there's a message within the message. And so I'm always looking for that silver lining uh, that would be impactful and and hopefully encourage, inspire, point someone else to Jesus
0: Christ through something that I've gleaned uh, from a show. Yeah. Well, what was uh What was the message of Mario that that you got from it? I I think I'm watching it three times a day now with Honey because that's her. She always wants to watch Super Mario Bros and she loves Bowser. Our son Max,
1: man, has just worn that movie out. And, and we have this this portion in Mario uh, where Bowser's sitting at the piano, uh-huh. and you know he's talking to his assistant, and uh, he slams his hands in the piano, and the guy looks at him and says, "Can I? Can you lift the piano?" And he tells him, uh, "No pain, uh, it, it's it's beneficial, and it produces something." Pain is and the best teacher. That, That's right. Pain is the best teacher. And and when you think about that, there's truth in that. There's revelation in that. We avoid pain. We want pain to end easy. We want pain to end quickly. But sometimes pain is the best teacher. It keeps us at the feet of Jesus. It allows us to know uh, that we are still alive. You know, Pain is one of the greatest indications that there's still life in us. And and there is still more for us to do. And although we don't like it, it, it's a friendly and sobering reminder for us Uh, that we still have air in our lungs and we still have life Uh, and so we have the capacity to feel things and uh, you know in Super Mario Brothers that's one of those little nuggets that you glean from you take and you just kind of write down and you you put in the back of your mind for uh, moments like this when you're reminded of those things and and need to recall those things yeah
0: that's so good. I really, I really do think we're watching it two times a day right now. I mean, it's <laughs> f- the first thing the other day when she said, and when she woke up, she said "super," but she says it in like a she says Super Mario Bros. But it's in this like you know like a 2 year old girl voice it's just like super <laughs> high pitched it's it, it it it's the funniest thing i just love it I'd, i've been um i've been obsessed watching it with her
1: it's it's fun to watch it with your kids and and see the progression of mario brothers just you know kind of take on a, a new life through their eyes from where we used to watch it growing up it, it's it's pretty amazing to see yeah
0: i love it well you said this quote um and I just I've 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 really been thinking about it and it really just spoke to me. I I I loved it. You said success is the biggest risk that God can give us. And I think yeah. it's so true. I think in so many areas, whether it's uh you know personally or spiritually or uh practically or wh- whatever that might be. Can you kind of just, you know, on an ending note here, just kind of elaborate on um on that and how, you know, because you can be successful, but also you know, it's really just what you do with it. There's there's so many facets of of what's success to you, what's success to others. Um, but how do you feel like maybe as a generation that's just obsessed with you know more in in and in instant gratification, how do you feel like success can ultimately be detrimental to our our lives?
1: Yeah, I, I think we're not built for glory. We're built for victory. And whenever we try to receive glory it ends up building pride in us. And a lot of times when we are successful, uh, we get prideful. And so what I've learned is anything that I receive that I don't turn back into praise will eventually turn into pride. And when you really think about it, success is one of the greatest risks that God could ever take on us because it puts us in a position where we have to choose whether we give glory back to God or whether we receive that glory for ourselves. And if we receive the glory for ourselves, then the light that shines on us shines a lot brighter than the light that's supposed to shine through us. And so one of the things that, you know, I try to do is just reflect everything back to God, reflect all of the glory back to God and and understand that every bit of what men call success that God allows me to steward, He will get the glory because of it. And, uh, you know, it it keeps pride out of the way. It keeps ego out of the way. It keeps me humble. And the spirit of God always flows to the humble place. It flows to the lowest place, just like water on the top of the mountain flows to the lowest place. uh, The spirit of God flows to the lowest place. And so that's where I want to be. And, uh, you know, that's where I encourage our listeners to be at the lowest place operating in humility And uh, stewarding uh, success, but not trying to own it. And when we steward it, uh, God entrusts us with a lot more. You know, Scripture teaches us he or she that is faithful over a few things. God makes rulers over many. And uh, that word ruler really means stewardship. And so if we can steward seasons of success well, God doesn't mind. And trusting us with more seasons like that.
0: that was like, well, I would I would I want to end and uh, just give you a few a few seconds to kind of talk about your new book, The Art of Overcoming. Um, share a little bit about uh, the heartbeat behind it and really what you hope people kind of glean from glean from learning from and reading reading it.
1: Yeah. So the art of overcoming, it, it sounds a lot more glamorous than what it is. Sometimes <laughs> overcoming is just waking up, putting our feet down on the ground the next day and saying, okay. We overcame yesterday. Yesterday was tough, but we got through it. Today is another day, ready to be, uh, you know, lived out and uh, uh, experienced in all of its greatest form. And so, for me, my prayer is that those that read the book uh, understand that some things will come to an end, but it's not the end. Uh, and some things have an ending, but it is not uh, final. And uh, we can allow things to rest in peace without losing our peace. Um, and so understanding uh, that although one door closes, uh, if we look and we continue to walk uh, to that closed door, we miss an open door that God may have swung open for us. And, and so that's what this book really does. It, it's a journal uh, of my thoughts, some of the things that I've overcome. And some applicable points that will help those that read it overcome as well.
0: That's awesome, man. We we all have things we got to overcome, right? Some are bigger than others. Some are small, but we uh, you know throughout life we all have things that we've wrestled with and struggled with, and uh, there can be victory in it. and, and And I just love how you know your book your your book points to that because there is there is something about overcoming things maybe that you didn't think that you you could and when you see how God's brought you through it, it's just all the more powerful.
1: Absolutely, man. I I think the same for you and you and Sadie are are constant uh, reminders to uh, the world that no matter what you face, you you can take it head on with the help of Jesus Christ and do so with a smile. You know, when I I see you all, no matter what the challenge may be, it's challenging, uh, but you keep a smile on your face and your smile is contagious to everyone that sees it. And so I'm just so encouraged by your life. I'm so encouraged by what God is doing in and through you and, and kind of an honor and a privilege, man, to be on this podcast.
0: Well, thank you, man. I, I was stoked you were able to join me, and I'm excited that you're my first guest for the season. So, Really, thank you a lot. I uh, I love this. This is going to be really great. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, Christian. Grateful for you.